This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. So we give you praise and thanks in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We're working through the wisdom books of the Bible, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And we're halfway through the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a hard, cynical look at life from the point of view of a natural man, a man who looks at life without reference to God. And the professor is the narrator, And he's giving us the benefit of his long and varied experience in life. His goal is to find the meaning of life, but in the end, without God, he sees no meaning. It's all vanity. It's all meaningless, and nothing we can do can give it any meaning. But, like Paul Harvey said, wait till you hear the rest of the story. The professor's experience of life under the sun without God was his lived experience, but that was the middle part of his life. The beginning and the end of his life, he was a God-fearer. So he's able to break in occasionally with wisdom from above to correct the humanistic perspective that he's given us. I see this whole book as kind of an evangelistic track. First, he shows the sinner his need for salvation, and then he offers the fulfillment of that need. So last week, we finished chapters 5 and 6, where we talked about the trouble that money can cause in your life. We saw the injustice of leaders who exploit their people for their own gain. We saw the desire for money is insatiable and that money is impermanent it disappears quickly and we learn that money itself can never bring us joy and in the end when we die money is completely irrelevant that was all from a humanistic perspective but when viewed from a godly perspective money is a gift from a loving God to be enjoyed by those who receive his blessings. So that was last week, but this week we enter chapter 7, and the professor is once again going to take off his mask, and he's going to administer to us a heavy dose of reality with the authority he has as a wise and godly teacher. So please stand with me for the reading of God's word. From Ecclesiastes 7, 13 and 14. 
Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. This is the eternal word of God given to mankind. You may be seated. So there's a lot of crookedness in this world. And the professor asks the question, who can straighten it out if God made it crooked? Well, what kind of crookedness are we talking about here? Well, we can rule out sin immediately. Why? Because God is holy and he's perfectly righteous. He cannot sin. So what is the professor talking about? Let's look at the passage again. He defines crookedness in verse 14. It is adversity. It's the day of adversity. It's the opposite of prosperity. It's the opposite of when things are going well. Crooked things are the many unpleasant things, the unpleasant realities that we encounter living in this fallen world. So you're cruising happily down the highway and suddenly the traffic slows to a crawl and then you see it up ahead in the road it says sharp curve ahead it's a crooked place in the road and there's nothing that you can do about it you can't straighten out the road that the road engineers have built and if you just plow straight ahead you're going to crash and burn So I begin our sermon today looking at the end of the passage because it gives us a roadmap to show us where we're going. Verses 13 and 14 are the conclusion of the professor's list of several unavoidable crooks in the road of life. The crooks of death, of discipline, of temptation, anger, and discontent. And what I really want us to get this morning is that God has a purpose for all of them. A man who experienced more than his share of crooks in life was the famous Russian author and Nobel Prize laureate Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander was born one month after the end of World War I in December of 1918. His father was a Russian army officer who died six months before he was born. And his mother was left without support, and she never remarried. They lived a hard life in a reconstructed stable without running water or much heat. And there, she was forced to trust the God of her Orthodox faith. And she raised her son in that faith. And from a young age, the boy wanted to be a writer. But he was unable to pursue that goal locally. So he studied mathematics at the University of Rostov. But just as he graduated, World War II broke out. And he was appointed the commander of an artillery battery. He served honorably. He was twice decorated with medals. Then just a few months before the war ended, 
Solzhenitsyn was arrested because he made some derogatory remarks about Joseph Stalin in a private letter to a school friend. He spent the next 11 years in prison. He once wrote that without the hard things that he had lived through in his early life, he would have never survived prison. During this time, he secretly wrote books. And after Stalin died, he was released from prison and began to publish. His short book, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, describes the horrible condition in the Soviet prison camps called gulags. And his major work was the three-volume Gulag Archipelago, which exposed the world to the horrendous evils of Russian communist ideology and what they did to their own people. At first, because the current government wanted to encourage anti-Stalinist sentiments, they allowed him to write and publish. But eventually they realized that his work exposed their evil just as much. So they stripped him of his citizenship and they exiled him from Russia. For the rest of his life, he wrote and spoke about the evils of totalitarianism. And his work contributed significantly to the eventual fall of communism in Russia and the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Now, the crooks in Solzhenitsyn's road were the very things that enabled him to have a massive impact on history. So the first crook in our passage today is one that we all have to wrestle with, and that's death. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 7.1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. Seems an odd comparison at first, doesn't it? The precious ointment, well, that's perfume. How does that relate to a good reputation? Well, <clears throat> you have to put this together with the second part of the couplet. See, perfume is costly and it's pleasant but it doesn't last that long. It represents joy and celebration. The birth of a child is the same. There's great rejoicing, but then babies have to grow up. They have to get on with life. But a good reputation is worth much more. Proverbs 21, 20, 20, 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. And one of Shakespeare's characters said, Who steals my purse steals trash. But he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him, but makes me poor indeed. Everybody gets born, and that's the easy part. But it takes a whole lifetime to build and to maintain a good reputation has great value. <clears throat> and if you've lived your life for the Lord, then on the day of your death, it will be a good day because God will say, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. And the professor elaborates on this theme of death in the next three verses. Ecclesiastes 7.2 It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Death has a sobering effect on people. It makes them face reality. You know, I prefer doing funerals over doing weddings. Why is that? Because people are ready to hear the gospel at funerals much more than at weddings. <clears throat> people are, are ready to face the fact that they one day might die. It forces us to think about the brevity of life. Moses wrote in Psalm 90 where he said that 70 or 80 years are given to us and they're soon gone. And then he prays this. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This verse says here that the living will lay it to heart. The wise person will learn from it and in the long run it will make his heart glad What's a glad heart? It means an acceptable heart. It means a heart that pleases the Lord. So although death is the scariest and most painful crook in life's road, it takes us to a place of peace. The next crook in the road is discipline. Verses 5 and 6. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. As the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Don't you hate being corrected? It's not easy. It's a lot nicer to hang out with people who who are going to flatter you, not challenge you. It reminds me of being a teenager, you know, when I was around adults, I was liable to be corrected if I stepped out of line. Uh, but not when I was hanging out with my buddies. You know, we encouraged each other's foolishness. And we listened to a lot of the songs of fools, too. Like Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf or Elvin Bishop. We're going to boogie till the rooster crows. We're going to party till the cows come home. <laughs> That stuff might be fun and and make for lots of laughs, but it's not going to mature you. So I avoided wise people like the plague because I instinctively knew that they would rebuke my sinful behavior. And that's a recurring theme in the Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 12 says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. And Proverbs 27.5 says, Better an open rebuke than love that is concealed. The professor says we shouldn't avoid rebuke. And King David, he said that we should listen, even if it hurts. Look at Psalm 141, verse 5. 
David prayed, let let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. So don't be quick to dismiss criticism, especially if it's coming from someone you know who loves you. Husbands, listen to your wives. And wives, listen to your husbands. And single people, listen to your friends and to your family. And young people, listen to your elders. All criticism isn't valid, but all of it should be evaluated. And it takes wisdom to know the difference between judgmentalism and rebuke. But don't miss the good just because you're trying to avoid the bad. And don't shy away from giving lovely, a loving rebuke. We're commanded in the New Testament to admonish one another within the body of Christ. And who knows? Maybe you will be the crook in the road that someone needs. Another crook in the road is temptation. You know, Mark Twain said, There are several good protections against temptations, but the surest is cowardice. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of truth in that. The Proverbs are full of dire warnings of the consequences for the one who gives in to temptation. This verse warns us against taking the easy way out. Ecclesiastes 7.7 Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart better is the end of a thing than its beginning and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit so the word oppression here is sometimes translated extortion either way it's saying that you may be tempted to make an easy buck by exploiting people or by taking a bribe to do something wrong And notice, it's addressed to a wise man. It drives the wise into madness. Nobody is immune to temptation. And if we get in, if we give into it, it drives us into a kind of madness. It's an irrational act of self-destruction. And the alternative here is to be patient and to do things the right way. Just as a good reputation is satisfying at the end of life, so is patiently working toward our goals without giving in to the temptation to take shortcuts. We must all put fences around ourselves to avoid temptation. This means being open and honest with those who are closest to us. This is another reason why we need each other in the body of Christ. Another crook is anger. Verse 9 says, Do not be quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Now, anger in itself isn't sinful, but giving yourself over to anger is. Here it says, Don't be quick to become angry. This means that you can have control over your emotions. But that only comes through wisdom. And wisdom is only available to those who fear God. But fools give free rein to their anger. 
and they feel justified in doing it. Anger is born out of hatred, and the two are the most destructive forces in the world. And this current climate of rioting in our nation is driven by hatred and anger. In 1983, Solzhenitsyn was awarded the Templeton Prize for the progress of religion. And his acceptance speech before a distinguished London crowd, including the Queen, was called, Men Have Forgotten God. This is what he said. More than a half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had fallen, befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why it all happened. And he went on to say that after 50 years of studying, he came to the same conclusion, that Russia was in the shape it was because they forgot God. But he warned that the same thing was happening in Western society. He was living in America at the time. And he said, why should one refrain from burning hatred, whatever its basis, race, class, or ideology? Such hatred is in fact corroding many hearts today. Atheist teachers in the West are bringing up a younger generation in a spirit of hatred of their own society. Wow. What a, he's a prophet, huh? He saw it clearly back in the 80s, and we're reaping the fruit of that today. Without the restraint of the word of God, the human heart pushes toward ever more radical autonomy. And anything or anyone that gets in its way is going to face the full force of its anger. But let's not just use this truth to condemn those with whom we disagree. I'm sure that the rioters make you angry, right? They do me. But how should we respond? Don't let their sin cause you to sin. Don't return evil for evil. We can call for justice, but we need to speak the truth in love, not in hatred and anger. Now, the last crook in the road is what I've called discontent. Chapter 7, verse 10. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Now, I'm a pretty nostalgic guy. Um, Ask Gina. I love to look back at the good old days. And you remember the good old days when you could go into a store or a restaurant without a mask? <laughs> but they, were they really better than these? You know, they also had both good and bad things. They had the crooked and the straight. And <clears throat> even if the current times are actually worse than the past, they're still under God's sovereign control. God has made them crooked. We tend to forget the bad stuff, though, when we focus on the past, when we look at the past, and, and we focus on the good stuff. And that's okay if we don't let it create this feeling of discontent in us. The professor says that's not wise. It isn't wise, not only because 
Our discontent keeps us from being thankful, but because it hinders us from learning the lessons that God wants to teach us in this moment. It's the same as skipping the funeral to go to the party. The professor, in his wisdom, has seen these crooks in the road, and he wants us to slow down for them. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to be safe. So he begins to wrap this up with an endorsement for wisdom. Verses 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Wisdom keeps us from recklessly plowing straight through the curves of life. It's an insurance policy. It protects us. It gives us an advantage. And it gives us life. So finally, we end where we began in verses 13 and 14. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Now God has designed every single crook in the road that you encounter. And we can't know how it's all going to work out. But God does. So we trust him. He's doing it for your good. The professor asks the question, who can make straight what has, he has made crooked? Well, there's two answers to that. The first one is nobody, none of us. But the second one is God can. God can make straight what he made crooked. Every curve, every bump, every dead end is part of his plan. And in the end, he's going to straighten it all out. That same assurance comes through loud and clear in the New Testament in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are the called according to his purpose. So do you love God? Are you called according to his purpose? Then he's going to take every crooked turn and use them to make your life something beautiful and pure and good. So when Alexander Solzhenitsyn entered the Russian army in 1941, he was a committed communist and atheist. He wrote that he was a murderer and an oppressor. But in the gulag, he faced every crooked thing that we discuss today. Death was commonplace there. He suffered the harsh disciplines of the prison life. He faced the temptations of exploiting his fellow prisoners for his own benefit. And he experienced the constant strife and anger between the guards and the prisoners and between the prisoners themselves. And he experienced a profound discontent, longing for the good old days of life before prison. But God used the crookedness in Solzhenitsyn's life to bring him back to himself. Alexander returned to the faith his mother had taught him as a boy. 
Listen to his testimony from his book, The Gulag Archipelago. He said, Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. That is why I turn back to the years of my imprisonment and say, sometimes to the astonishment of those about me, bless you, prison. I have served enough time there. I nourished my soul there. And I say without hesitation, bless you, prison, for having been in my life. Solzhenitsyn recognized the evil in his own heart. The evil that has been in every human heart ever since we left the garden. His time in prison pointed him toward the remedy for his sin. He turned to the God who sent his only son to die for the sins of the world. The crooks in his road drove him to the Savior, who he served for the rest of his days. So won't you let the crooks in your road drive you to the arms of Jesus as well. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you that you've reminded us so many times this morning through song and through um, through what Dick gave us and through this, Lord, that, that we need to trust you in everything. We have to trust that you are working everything for our good. Lord, we praise you that you promise eternal life that will be full and that will be without any more crookedness. So Lord, give us eyes to see um, the things that we want to avoid and understand that they all come from your hand and that we can trust you in them. So we give you praise and thanks in the name above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.